Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast where we talk about anything and everything family law related. Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and my fellow family lawyer, Liza. Liza, you mentioned to me that you'd be interested in an episode dealing with legal costs. So, let's talk about costs. Yeah. So, before you tune out, I thought that it might be something that people are actually wanting to know about. Not so much in the the legal side of it all. Yeah, not wanting, but needing to know how much is this going to cost? Just how much does this cost? You know, um, you hear horror stories. Yeah. Of the... You know, costing in the hundreds of thousands of dollars for legal costs. Or millions in the Strand case, which is yep. the big Western Australian case. Yep. So there's plenty of cases where they will cost um, an arm and a leg. and But unfortunately, um, court matters aren't cheap. So I wanted to go through today and just talk about a few of the different types of um, things that come up in family law um, matters whether it be, you know, consent orders and binding financial agreements and that sort of stuff. Like, it, the idea is to help you as a listener try and work out how you can, where you can save on your costs because yeah, a lot a of the time, idea. a lot of the time people balk at the idea of like, you know, they get a cost disclosure notice and they say, oh, we please have $70,000 into our trust account now because we need to potentially need to go to trial. And people, most people don't have $70,000 to to give to a lawyer or to anyone. So there there becomes a you know it, it becomes a, a real problem for many people because they're not really able to have the benefit of that legal advice and that strategy because they just can't afford it. And um, what I what I was hoping to do was just sort of cover a few a few little aspects about costs and um, and what you can do to try and minimise that impact to you. So, um, you know, first of all, we're talking about, you know, that the ideal situation is that you've agreed with your partner. Yep. Or that you think you've, you've got an okay relationship with your ex-partner. And so you want to do things by consent. Yeah. And and what I always say to people is, you know, try and keep it nice from day dot. Just, be, you know, you've, you're going to have a little bit of a flare-up after separation. But keep it keep it nice. You don't have to be best friends, but keep on civil terms is usually, yeah. usually a good idea. Even if you've only got money to sort out between you and no children, because you, you'll soon fall into you know the dark hole of spatting over every little thing, and that gets to be expensive, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, let's look at it this way: most lawyers will charge, like family law solicitors, they'll charge anywhere between three hundred to six hundred dollars an hour on average. I'd say. Um, particularly Queensland, Queensland Family Law Solicitors. I think if you go to you know, Melbourne and Sydney, some of those fees could be a little bit higher. They could be even higher again. Mm. So if you think of that, that per hour, it's it's going to very quickly add up. So let's think about ways that we can try and reduce those fees for you. And so um, the very first thing is do do a lot of the negotiation yourself if you can. If you're in a position where you can, where there's that you know, as you, as Alex said, you're, you're fairly amicable. You're okay in okay terms. You're being civil to one another. You can try and have a discussion without it blowing out of proportion. You don't always need a lawyer to write a letter setting out your position 
unless, you know, some people will need that assistance, but you won't necessarily need the lawyer to actually be engaged to do that for you. Sometimes that can be really off-putting for the other party. You know, it might be something that they can... Um, well, you can have a, you know, a kitchen table discussion, can't you? And you can kind of work things out, you know, on the back of an envelope between you as to who's going to keep what. And then you think, oh, I really would like this to be formalised. Yep. You've got a couple of options then. Yep. You can go online and go to the Federal Circuit and Family Court of Australia's website. There is a pack there, an application, you know, a DIY kit, if you like, for making an application for consent orders. You can follow that process through. Um, I still find that's a very legalistic document and process. I do and, too. I, and I, think I still recommend that even if you've got to that point, when you get to that point where you're filling that in, mm-hmm. and you've, or even if you've filled it in and you've prepared it, it's still an idea to talk to a lawyer about. I'd get it looked over at the very least. I mean, your best option is your best option, given that it's going to be slightly more expensive, is to have a family lawyer complete the application and to draft the orders for you, so that it, you have a very, very good chance of that being approved by the court and being something that considers things that you maybe hadn't taken into account. Alternatively, if you feel very confident that you've captured everything, it's still going to be a great idea to get a family lawyer to look it over for you before it's lodged. They might be able to point things out that you've overlooked or that the court would need to know. Um, or there the are parts. Court, the court is a bit fussy when it comes to their orders. Uh, yeah, that, and rightly so, I suppose. The, the registrars yeah. have a, an, a, it's a duty to exercise a discretion, but only in accordance with the terms of the Family Law Act. So you need to make sure that your arrangements are fair if you're going to be submitting them to the court. So a very one sided deal, you may have to explain that one. Yeah, so that sort of thing that can that could probably that usually costs at least a few thousand dollars, even even if you've already agreed. Yeah, because there is a lot of time and effort that goes into it because the lawyer that's involved has to, um, they have to understand your case. They have to make sure that you understand your own case as well, that you you actually understand what's going on, because we can't sort of just sign off and say, okay, yep, cool, I just saw them sign, that was all fine. Yeah, that's not our role at all. We have to help you to make sure that you understand your legal rights. So you could be cutting you know, your nose off. So, you know, consent orders, if you've done all the a lot of the hard work yourself, they could be as cheap as a couple of grand. Well, and, and the court charges a fee for filing consent orders, but it's not very much. It's currently, I think, 180 bucks. Yeah. That's your lodgement fee with the court you're better off to invest a little bit of money in your family law solicitor to make sure the orders themselves are drafted very carefully. That's and right. And if you are amicable, you can always have a little agreement on the side that both of you are going to contribute to that cost anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, so it sort of splits it a bit. But, um, you know, that's sort of, you're looking, in most cases, though, I would have thought that your application for consent orders should be under $10,000. Oh, by long chalk. Half, yeah. half of that would be still more than it would yeah. normally be. I mean, But there are some people gr- out there that will, will have a go. But I, I would think that if, you're, if you've already agreed and you're just, just drafting a fairly simple, straightforward parenting and or property order, then really it should be somewhere between the two or six, two to six thousand. I would have thought. Yeah, I think Plus that's GST. right. And that, that gives you some you know, variance according to how complex the property issues are. How if there are any detailed arrangements for the children that need to be worked through a little bit, third party involvements, things like that. But yeah, okay. So that's if, if you can agree things by consent. That's your first area would be consent orders. Yep. Your alternative when you're talking about children, and we've mentioned this a few times before, is a parenting plan. Yep. 
Now, that's recognised by the Family Law Act, but it's not an enforceable document. So you and, the, you and the, the other parent, you can write down all the arrangements that you want for little Jenny, little Johnny, and you both sign it, you date it, you call it a parenting plan, that's great. If you get on well, that's fabulous. Sometimes you might be able to get some help with the formatting or the templating of those with people like Relationships Australia. Your family law solicitor will be able to write one for you as well straight away. Um, a lot of people reach those kinds of agreements by going through a mediation process, and I yeah. know quite a number of mediators will have their own preferred sort of template for a parenting plan. That's part of the bonus of getting that that service, isn't it? Yeah, they yeah, get that's the right. They have a family lawyer who is also a mediator, and, and they'll be able to sort of be adroitly picking yeah. their way through a parenting plan. But you know, always with that sprinkling of a little bit of cautionary dust over the top of the plan, it's not enforceable. So if the other parent just ignores it, doesn't follow the instructions on that or the arrangements on the plan. Not much you can do apart from later on in a court case, point to it in front of a judge and say, hey, we had this parenting plan, they ignored it. The judge is compelled, they must look at that plan, have that in mind when they're making orders. But as I was experienced just the other week, um, a a judge who saw a fairly recent parenting plan in a case that I was in said, oh, yeah, I can see that. And we think it's going one way. Yep, they saw that, they signed it pretty recent both parties had legal advice okay i'm going to ignore it i'm going to make these orders instead so that's the power of of the courts to not follow parenting plans so So, watch out for those yep but you could do parenting orders by consent in much the same way as you can with with property with money it's the same price as far as the court's concerned 180 bucks is the filing fee but again we as family lawyers often whip out our crystal balls and think about, you know, the kids might be very young, they might be preschool at the time that these orders are being drafted. But, uh, and I speak from experience, it doesn't take very long before your, your baby in arms is suddenly towering above you and sort of <laughs> reaching out by the car keys. Yeah. It's um, an inevitability that you have to forward focus. You, you need to be thinking about not just what's happening right now, but what about when they go to school? What school will they go to? Who, who's, who are they going to live with? What houses? What about holidays when they get a bit older? Should it only be a week block? Should it always be every other weekend? Should we change that when they turn certain ages? Are you ever going to go overseas? Are you ever going overseas? Who's going to who's going to pay for the passports? Who's going to look after the passports? Do I trust the other person? How are we going to fix disputes? All of those things that your you know, your local family law, lawyer will be able to help. I can just imagine someone listening to this at the moment going, "Whoop, hang on, pause. Let me just write that down." <laughs> yeah, what? I know that was a little bit. You know, it was a little bit Eminem in its delivery, but um, the point is. Get some advice to help make sure that if you're going to draft something yep. that's going to last, and and it could be for many many years, it could be you know eighteen years that's going to be around in your life, telling you what you can and can't do with your children, then spend a decent amount of time preparing that document and thinking it through. Yeah, don't do it on the hoof. Do it carefully, methodically, and get some good advice around it as you go. Um, I'm, you know, as a family lawyer, I'm bound to say, go and see a family lawyer. Because yeah. they do this all the time, it's what we do. But leaving it to chance, leaving it very vague, is where your problems will come in the future. So, spending a little bit more now on those sort of consent orders, again, you know, that as you said before, maybe in the two to six thousand plus GST type region, mm. would give you the comfort of knowing that you've done it properly. And whilst you can't plan for every eventuality, you can certainly plan for a lot of them. That's right. You can get most of it down. You can get most of it down. Look, life will always find a way, won't it? Yep. And so we, we just mentioned before with the property side, though, the alternative to the consent order is a binding financial agreement. Now, this is where sometimes 
parties have to be a little bit more careful because it is quite an extensive document and there are quite extensive obligations on lawyers to give um, proper and and adequate and accurate advice. Yeah, uh, and you know it's an area where we as solicitors, we our insurers, you know, the indemnity insurers for solicitors are very keen that we jump through every hoop and, and quite rightly so and make sure that we are giving as detailed advice as we can because where there has been litigation in the past about these kinds of agreements, it's about the timing of the advice, the extent of the advice, whether the advice was properly understood. So if you are going to go through a binding financial agreement, and, and absolutely they can work in, in some circumstances, in a lot of circumstances, but be patient with the lawyer when they're saying, hang on, we need to go through this carefully, we need to go through this as a methodical process, and you need to understand all of this before you sign it. If you don't, then your agreement's weaker than right. one where you get time to consider the advice you're given and make sure that it's drafted properly. And those, those um, you know, a lot of the time people will say, oh, no, I just need you to sign it. I understand it. It's fine. I don't. I don't care. I don't care what it says. Yeah. I don't mind if it's set aside. I have one the other day. No, I don't mind if this agreement set aside later on. Oh, I do because <laughs> that's yeah. my insurer. So my insurer. Right. So no, thank you. Not happening. Not going to be giving you that advice. But I mean, the legal costs associated with a financial agreement. You're going to pay more if you're the person who wants the solicitor, your solicitor, to, to draft the agreement. Yep. The other person also needs to pay a solicitor to advise them on the agreement. Yep. Otherwise, they are not binding. So the costs of a... Let's let's assume it's a, a relatively straightforward case. There's Maybe there's a house, there's a couple of cars, there's some superannuation, there's the stuff in the house, a little bit yep. of savings. But that, that's sort of the typical kind of you know, nuclear family kind of financial setup. So it's not overly complex. But what are you sort of thinking would I be... I would have thought between two and four... Like two thousand to four four thousand plus GST for a very simple BFA. For the person drafting the it. The person drafting it. And, and on the other side, the person getting the advice. Probably on between fifteen hundred to two thousand. Yeah, yeah. I it, think I think that's reasonable. I think it's given the usual hourly rate which you mentioned, you know, it could be anywhere from three right. to six hundred dollars. It's a process that takes quite a few hours to draft it properly. And it takes if you are receiving an agreement to give somebody advice over the first thing I've got to know if I'm that solicitor is to say, well, I need to know a little bit about you. Yeah. I need to know what your circumstances actually are. Then I need to compare that and contrast that to what's written down in the agreement to make sure it's accurate and that there hasn't been anything material missed out. Then I need to go through that agreement very carefully and make sure that I've explained to my client the pros and the cons of the deal that's proposed in it and whether there's anything that needs amending or fixing or something that's been overlooked so it, it is a process of a few hours. It's not, you know, yeah. like you, you had that person, didn't you, that I think you were just talking about, who just rolled into the office and said, oh, I don't, I don't care, just, yeah, si just I'll, I'll sign it and you sign it and we'll just walk away yep. into, into the distance. That's not happening. Not, no. you, by all means, go away and see if you can find a family law solicitor who wants to do that and you know, more fool you, I would think. Better off to do it once, do it well. And it, if, it pay, if you have to pay a few dollars now, to make sure that you're not litigating over something for the next five or ten years, or in the case of that Western Australia case, 12 years fighting in the court, spending $35 million. Was it 30? Oh, geez, I thought it was only $12 million. I think it's $35 what, million. What dollars. am I saying? Only 12 <laughs> Oh, it's okay. You're spending $12 million. That's fine. Yeah, no, it was $35 million in legal fees spent over but at what multitudes point, of family lawyers and barristers. It was just ridiculous. I haven't looked into the nitty-gritty of the cost side of things on that, but... 
At what point? Because we all have to file cost notices. We do now. That's yeah. a, that's an emergent thing. Oh, that's thing. right. Yeah. You know, this this is a case that settled a couple but of still, years ago. So, but still, I would have thought though that at one at what point did someone say, "Hey, you know, was it after the first million or <laughs> first hundred thousand or I, I don't know where? At what point did they not go, "Hey, guys, um, I think you're spending a bit of money here." It's breathtaking, isn't it? That you it know? took such a long time. And uh, you know, it, it ran to the point where I think the the couple had a son who was only about nine when they started. So throughout from the time that he was nine for a further twelve years, all of the rest of his childhood and the early years of his adulthood, his parents were fighting in court. Do you know, I had I only had one I've only ever had one case where um just the, the length of the case it has actually worked in my client's favour. Now it wasn't a family law case, it was a it was actually a earth moving um partnership dispute type case and it went for years i i can't remember it started in i think 2003 and it finally finished about 2010 it was a seven-year case oh yeah and i was involved in it basically the whole way through and anyway and the legal fees over the seven years which i thought were pretty high for about 250,000 for my client Arvin Legal is proud to sponsor Split Happens. You'll be in safe hands with Arvin Legal. For all your family law needs, call us on 07 or visit our website at arvinlegal.com.au. So when you think about it, when you put in perspective all these other people, it's like, holy crap, that's like so much less than what, you know, other people, they, some people charge, will, will spend 250000 in a year or two, let alone. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but it all has to be proportionate, I suppose. Yeah, so uh, the levels of complexity in the Strand case would have been extreme. Yeah. Multiple businesses, international things happening. Well, I was and, only a lowly. tens of millions of dollars. I was a, a young and solicitor charging out, not much at that point in time, but. Um, and so in terms of this particular partnership dispute, um, the property started off as being only worth about 300000 So had I gone through, you know, seven years at $250,000, what would I be thinking? That's just an absolute waste of time and money. But what had happened was there was a mining boom. Um, oh, okay. And that property then went from worth being worth 300000 to multiple millions of dollars whereby he ended up with multiple millions of dollars at, at the end of it. So it's the only, it's, it is the only case I've ever had where that passing of time has actually worked out in favour of a client. It's mm. always been the other way around. Every other client, it's worked out for, like, you know, if you go, oh, the longer it goes on for, oh, I'll be able to get more money or, no, you won't. I could think of another case that you had where it probably works your clients that the case went on a little bit longer. Oh. <laughs> because the other party dies. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. And that yeah. was that relatively recent. And we had another case like that um, a year or so ago where, a very sad case, but the, the other party died in sad circumstances. Mm. And that brought to an end a, a, a difficult financial and parenting matter, yep. as, as it happened. It was really, really tragic. But that happens. But mostly, you're right, getting a case... And getting it over with fairly quickly is the best outcome from you yeah. for you for a costs perspective. If you're going totally. through that, don't don't have your lawyer write poison pen letters every time somebody says something that you feel are slightly aggrieved about. Where possible, 
suck it up, move on. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Make sure that you're only fighting over things that need to be fought over. You know, don't pay your solicitors. I and mean, if your solicitors are saying, absolutely, I'm going to write a letter every time, then you probably want to have a conversation with them as to whether they've got your best interest at heart. If somebody says, hang on, we don't need to write that, let's save that for the judge or save it for the court if we need it. Yep. Let's focus upon what does need to be fixed and not worry about you know that old book that, that was written, You know, don't sweat the small stuff. Now, tell your solicitor the small stuff so that we have that ammunition to use as and when it's relevant and necessary. But jumping on and sending multiple you know, letters and pieces of correspondence being exchanged constantly is only going to rattle up your bills. Yep. So keep it relevant. And again, I mean, how else can somebody manage their legal costs? Because in family law, the usual rule, it's, it's in the legislation there at 117, if you can't sleep at night and want to look at the Family Law Act, the usual rule is that each party pays their own costs. Yeah, I hate that rule. Well, it, it's where the court's coming from is, is about the, you know, the early settlement, isn't it? You should be sorting these things out yourselves, and the court is a last resort. Yeah, but I, I actually take the different view. I'm. I think that maybe my civil litigation. I think it is. I, I think it's. I think it's the right right approach generally. If you're having a dispute over parenting issues to do with kids, for example, and there might be nuanced differences between you for very understandable perspectives, mm. for then one of the parents then to have to pick up the costs of the other person from the get go. Well, it'll stop the trivial stuff from coming through, well, wouldn't it? Well, maybe. Would it though? What if they were both reasonably tribal issues? No, I'm talking about, so say for example, let's just put it into, like we've got mum who um, has her view on things, dad has his view, um, and mum was, you know, ordinarily going to make an application for parenting, but then there's that risk of that she might have to pay the costs if the judge doesn't agree. She might hold back on not, she might not want to litigate because she'll go, oh, Maybe well, not. We ha- we have that ability though, don't we? Because we do, it, but it's a, it's it a usual. Gets, it never gets followed up. It ne- well, it's normally so many things get settled along the way before yeah. you get to have that argument so in front I'd, of a judge. I, just, but I don't know. I, I'm against the each party pay their own. I think it should be a you you win, you get well, you lose, you pay, like in civil matters. But I find it hilarious that civil matters are called civil, but they're far from civil. But yeah. anyway. That so speaks the former barrister, uh, and whereas I'm coming at it from the perspective of trying to solve people's problems yep. rather than you know seeing them ending up with a massive squabble over legal costs, which ironically cost them thousands of dollars to argue over in, right. in the first place. So far better again, move down the pathway of settlement, much better, much cheaper for you in the long run to do that. You don't want to have to rely upon sending out what's called a Calderbank offer, which is an old, it goes from an old English um, case from the 70s, but it, again, matrimonial, misdealings. Somebody making an offer that you probably should have accepted, you didn't, and you did slightly worse at court at the end of it, meaning that the judge can lift up that section 117 provision and say, yeah, you should have really taken that, I'm going to make you pay some or all of their costs. And the thing that, the thing that I don't, I just, in the family courts, um, I rarely see anyone making you know getting up on those offers and mm. i don't know i just think it's a they they might as well just get rid of the whole section and not even worry about it then if that's you know, oh, look, I, I don't know, I, don't know. I, I think it's there for a purpose and i think my takeaway would be if you get a, an offer and it's something you need to think very carefully about it's quite close to what you might get or that your lawyers are saying you might get this this could be the outcome for you but in a year or so's time Think about how much money you're likely to spend on a court case that goes all the way to a trial, several days in court, 
hundreds and hundreds of documents being prepared. You know, erudite barristers spending lots of time burning the midnight oil, preparing detailed on lengthy submissions, preparing cross exam. It costs tens of thousands yeah, of dollars to run that. Yeah. So if you've got an offer, and it might not be everything that you're looking for, but it's something that you risk getting, then you need to take that very carefully. You need to think very carefully. I mean, maybe you make a counter proposal that's not far from that, but get your get advice from your solicitor at the time. How far is this from the range? Should be your question. Definitely. Am I likely to get this? Don't, if you're not sure, then, then always get a second opinion if you're uncertain as to that advice. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you in terms of um, actually considering decent offers and things like that. There's, there's no issue there. I just find that a lot of the time um, the, the, the people just don't succeed on their applications for costs. Mm. Um, and I think, and definitely not in parenting matters. It's very, very rare to get a cost order in a parenting matter. Yeah. And I think that's quite unfortunate because there are so many cases these days where parties are using um, the courts to continue abuse and continue these sorts of applications. Uh, sorry, continue the just that control over the other party just for the, you know, I'm not talking about the... A financial imbalance, you mean, and using that as something to hit somebody over right. the head. That's right, and they're dragging them through mm. the system. I've seen it from the other way, you know. There was um, a, a matter that... Um, I've been involved in recently that our client is the person who's paying his own way and the other person in the case has been receiving the benefit of legal aid throughout and oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're they're, they don't somewhat they don't have any great sort of income or There's sources no aside from like wealthy parents which yep. is just in the background you know, sniggering as they're funding the, their life but all the legal fees is being are being absorbed by the legal aid board Meanwhile, our fellow is having to pay everything himself. So yeah. that creates a reverse pressure of what you would think. Oh, you know, the, the, the person with, with the, the money, income, yeah. with the person who's having to run three jobs, is oh, actually... Oh, definitely. I, I get that. I get and that's that a pressure. Yeah. And, and again, you feel a little bit hamstrung as a solicitor sometimes or as a lawyer saying, look, this might not be the best outcome, but it might be the best in the circumstances. Yeah. Because otherwise, you, you know, you might spend another year or 18 months litigating to get something little bit close to this mm. maybe a bit better but it could be the same it could be worse and you could spend and lose you know a, you know, a further tens of thousands of dollars at it and because what we're talking about here um is all about when we've filed an application where yeah, so yeah, yeah sorry yeah this is all so the litigation process the, yeah, the, the, you can't agree yeah and so you know you're looking at as we said tens of thousands of dollars and sometimes it can get into the hundreds of thousands depending on your case now you want to hope though that your lawyer hasn't charged you, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars for a case that, you know, that's only worth three or four hundred thousand dollars. Definitely get some proportionality so, about it because lawyers, as lawyers, we we must charge what's what is reasonable and is necessary. So we can't just go and charge it just because, and that's why sometimes you might get a bit of pushback from us. You know, you might get a pushback from your lawyer. It's not because we want to, because we want to be difficult or anything like that. It's because we have to keep put my teeth in proportionality in mind when mm. we're doing the work and making sure that you know so that you're not going down like doing this unnecessary work um and you know you find judges um quite scathing of um, practitioners who you know produce pages and pages of irrelevant affidavit material like hundreds of pages of affidavits oh yeah that's right you know, one recently where there was like multiple hundreds of pages um of an affidavit and it's you know, a lot of it is just completely irrelevant and it's time-wasting and it would have cost an absolute fortune for that 
that yeah, practitioner I, I, to have prepared that? I was in a matter, as you know, recently where yeah. somebody filed um, very close out to the trial on the other side an affidavit that ran to more than 800 pages. That's that, what I'm that talking if, about. That effectively that caused the, the trial to fall over. Yeah. Because the judge said, oh, I haven't got time to read this. I, I can't. Yeah. We, we've got allocated time. And that could have, could well have been a tactic on the on the other person's part. I don't know. It seemed, I think, likely that that was the case, but I don't know that it caused the trial to fall over. We, we fortunately we were able to negotiate a settlement, but I wonder if that material hadn't been filed, whether we might have progressed I, I, and got, I, got a better outcome. But then somebody would have had to come back in six or nine or twelve months' time for the trial part two and another, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to bring everybody up to date. It's crazy. Well, even even just a site like on the specifically on the cost issue of that, because mm. the the court does have the power to or make orders. It does. Um, it chose not in to. In relation to, I think it's in relation to the, um, you know, you've got these interim applications, which is those mini ones, the the ones that you do along the way, mm. not your final trials, just the ones that you might get along the way, and you've got a page limit of ten pages. Now, sometimes people will ignore that and they just file multiple page that might be you know 100 pages even though it's meant to be 10 pages oh that's so frustrating when you see that so and so what will happen what the court can do the court can actually say no actually you're going to pick your your best 10 pages like they have the power to do it i haven't really seen it happen all that often but and they can actually make cost orders um against you and also your solicitor for just for putting in and for having so much extra time taken up and irrelevant material yeah. Um, because it, it's scandalous material, things like that. Make sure it's relevant. Make sure that it doesn't contain things that can't be substantiated. That's you know, that you definitely. You've got it. You've got if you're if you. Uh, there's the old saying: "He who asserts must prove," and it goes beyond that when you're talking about anything to do with intentional um, acts and things like um, fraud and um, any sort of bad behaviour. If you have, if you're going to assert something like that in an affidavit, you want to hope that you've got some um, pretty good evidence to back that up. So you can't say that you know um, Uncle Bill is a child molester. You need to make sure that you've got something to back that up because you could be on the on the other end of the stick if you're not careful. You're right, uh, and and obviously one of the issues that you highlighted already is the difficulty in finding a court that will entertain a cost order when something gets settled along the way. Most cases get settled, 9 out of 10 or more yep. cases get settled yep. before they end up in a final hearing. So whatever lies the other side may have told, whatever lies your client sometimes has told, who, who knows. But if there's an untruths in the material that have caused a great deal of upset and harm along the way, there may never be any kind of retribution or dealing with that in a costs way. Mm. And it just hangs out there because the costs are only going to be considered really at the end of a case where there is something wildly different that could have been accepted. Or if somebody's conduct is so awful, they've never filed anything. They've never provided any disclosure, all of that. Yep. But, okay, so that's all the, the, the gloomy world of litigation. Let's just roll it back and let's assume that the separation is relatively respectful and yep. you, you, you just moved on with your lives and you just need to get things sorted out. So we've talked about the cost of consent orders. We've talked about parenting plans. We didn't really touch on the price of those, but, again... They're not very expensive. If you were to get your solicitors to draft them, then again, they need to listen to you, understand what you want and express those. a few hours. A few hours. So you might be somewhere between one and $2,000 for something like that. But you you may find a template somewhere. If you use a Relationships Australia type mediation, they'll have a little scrap of paper that they'll fill in your names on the dotted lines and go through that. But be careful what you sign. Um, 
But let's think about a mediation process. How much would that cost typically? And if just an yeah. ordinary sort of, you know, so, family um, law, parenting, well So you've property. got, assume you've got two lawyers going um, to the mediation with you. Yep. So you're paying for your lawyer. You're that's that's your, your cost. You don't have to take a lawyer, but it's usually that's a good right. idea. Yep. And then they'll pay for their lawyer if they've got one. And the mediator will charge anywhere usually between say two thousand to six or eight thousand. Um, I yeah. would say, and, and those are the shared costs. Yeah. And some, sometimes you'll have to pay for the room hire on top of that because yep. you know, you'll, you'll need a venue to take place at the mediation. But sometimes not. I mean, we do a lot of these mediations these days by uh, Zoom or by Microsoft Teams or some other video software. Um, the benefit of those, of course, is you, you really don't have to see um, even at all the other person, even in passing in the corridor yeah. uh, in, a, in a shared building. But So the costs of a mediation, um, you've got your solicitor, they've got their solicitor. I mean, they those fees might be anywhere from, again, depending upon how senior or junior they are, anywhere from, say, two and a half to $4,000 a day, perhaps. Yeah. And then you've got mediation costs, which, again, could be anywhere from 1500 through to three or four thousand dollars each so you could have that whole day wrapped up between you the pair of you you maybe sort of in that ten thousand sort of mark and then if there is a deal done if you're it it depends upon how much how many instructions you you've given to your solicitor before but they could well have prepared in advance the documents for you to sign not so much for a financial agreement because as i've said you've got to be careful about not rushing into those things yeah but if you had already exchanged some ideas with the other side beforehand, you could have like a skeleton set of consent orders worked out. You could have the application form kind of ready and just mostly filled in and you negotiate, you hammer out the details as to who's going to keep what particular pieces of property. And And you've just saved yourself a bucket load of cash. You've saved yourself a fortune doing it that way. It's a very, again, preparation is the key to that. Make sure that if you're going to go through that path and you want to get things signed on the day, Wherever possible, you know, make sure your solicitor has the information before, and that, you know, I usually say with those mediations, you know, have laptop, will travel, you know, yeah, you know, it's not my first rodeo. I've written orders on the hoof before, and if we're working it through methodically with a good mediator who's an experienced family law mediator, then we'll be able to hone pretty quickly the points of difference, so everything else can kind of be agreed, and then we can be exchanging drafts of what's going to be settled and what's not going to be settled on the day and then have it finally signed off before everybody goes home. What you don't want is to go through all of that expense and mediation process and have nothing agreed, nothing signed. Um, even if you end up with a partial agreement, that's better than nothing. It gives you a pathway as to, okay, we've just got to decide what happens to, for example, the business or the house. You know, these option A or option B, and you might need to get some tax advice about that. But and that can be written up into heads of, heads of agreement. But That's again, right. your lawyers need to be doing that for you. But use the mediation process rather than the litigation process. You know, if you can't simply agree to that sort of sitting on a table and working it out, then get some help from your solicitors. If there is still a bit of a, you know, a, a barrier to climb over, then break it down with the mediator quickly would be my advice. Yeah. And if you obviously can't, because if, if no one turns up to the mediator, to the mediation, um, or sorry, if one of the parties don't turn up, then you can get the 60i certificate, but you often have to pay for that as yeah, well. You, so that you might will. be a couple of hundred bucks. So. Yeah, a 60i certificate um, is, is in relation purely to parenting. That just yep. means that you can show to the courts, hey, I didn't want to have to come to court. I tried to med- mediate, negotiate. The other person didn't come or they wouldn't participate or there was another very good reason why it couldn't go ahead. 
but it's the it's like your it's your Willy Wonka sort of ticket, isn't it? You have to have yep. that in order to go through to the next stage. And I hope you don't have to get there. But look, legal costs can be kept down. So the more information you give to your solicitor early, the better armed that they will be to be able to put your front foot forward. Um, you can negotiate directly with your ex if there's no issues around domestic violence and you can get on with one another okay. Bring to your lawyer a fait accompli. Say, here is the deal that we have agreed and cast your eyes over it as a practitioner and say, yep, that seems reasonable to me. We can either vet your version um, or preferably have the lawyer just draft the documents for you. Spend a little bit of money at that stage, which will save you a fortune later on. You know, it's like keeping up to date with the services in your car, isn't it? If you do that, then... You start spend spend a little bit money That's on right. getting the the engine serviced rather than replacing it for for want of care. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, I think that probably wraps up what we wanted to talk about with legal costs today. It's a massive subject, and not as massive as the Strand legal bill, of course. But thank you for listening. This has been Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with Liza and Alex. Thanks for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts on all good platforms.